This is Glenn Murphy with NC Sistema, and this is Sistema for Life. Howie, good to see you again. Likewise, what are we talking about today? Uh, this week, I thought we'd talk a little bit about two themes. Um, one is feedback, the giving and receiving of, and the other one uh, being wrong. And, uh, and being okay with that, and how Systema can help us with both of those difficult things. Okay, <laughs> tell me more. Tell us more. <laughs> so, I, I've kind of got to admit, um, I've not been the best person um, coming to Systema at, at being wrong or wanting to kind of be humble about my lack of skill or kind of where I should be improving. And at the very beginning of training Systema, um, particularly with the lack of explicit structure, I found it very, very difficult coming in um, and having people saying, oh, your legs are too tense, you, your shoulders are too tense, you, you need to learn to walk, and like fundamental things like that. Um, when I felt like I already had some degree of skill or mastery from past martial arts and, and actually made a jump straight from you know training in Japan for a couple of years and having black belts in Aikido and sitting at the top of the line, you know, everything's structured to make you feel better and reinforce your achievement in, in a lot of uh, martial arts so traditional martial arts and so you get that kind of extrinsic reward of people telling you you've arrived you know you've hit your black belt so you haven't mastered everything but you've got a degree of skill that cannot be denied right and then coming from that to somebody telling you you need to learn to walk <laughs> and, and move your shoulders and relax your hips is, it was very difficult and it, and it took me some time and I kind of and I still struggle with it on and off um, of course I think we all do but um, I just remember at the beginning that being very difficult but I think the training of Sistema in the long term has really helped me to come to terms with that aspect of my own personality and, and be a little better about being wrong generally and a little more open to people's feedback as a general tool for, for improving myself. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's easy to, to see that you're wrong when you fail at something. Yeah. Right? Like, so if you're actually in a fight and someone takes you down or, you know, mm. you're doing a, a, a martial art as a sport and you lose, yeah. you know, it's, e it's easy to get to take in that kind of feedback. But if you're just sort of like walking around the room or doing things where there's no clear outcome, yeah. you kind of have to rely on your own proprioception, yeah. which can be totally flawed, or, or some instructor. Yeah. Um, and, I, you've, you know, you've told me many stories of sort of, uh, Vlad kind of laying into you at various times when mm. you, you know, when you thought you had arrived somewhere mm. to point out, you know, that there's whole other level at which you need to improve. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Every, every year. And so I go up once or twice a year to train for like an extended period, like for a week or so or something like that. Um, and every time I've gone up there, there's, there seems there's been some other major Flaw to be working on at the time, right? In the early days, it was just like oh, you need to learn to do a push-up. You know, you need to study the push-up, really study it, and, and what happens through it, so that you can translate that to expressing power in striking and that kind of stuff. And then another time, it was like you, hips and legs are just too tense. You're locked up between the knees and the rib cage. Like everything there is one piece. So you need to work more on squats, more on massage, just kind of breaking all that up so that you have that freedom to move. Um, and then as those more fundamental physical things get taken care of to some extent, probably still not to Vlad's satisfaction, right? <laughs> probably still, he still needs to do some push-ups and work on his squats. Um, but once those things start to get taken care of to a little while, um, then he'll work on other things, like what's your basic response to things? Like if somebody's approaching, are you freezing or are you moving back? Are you, are you constantly creating distance? And you should think about that. You shouldn't let people control your movement 
by what they do, right? You should be free to move in any directions. Think about that. You know, you have you seem to have this innate tendency to move backwards. That should be one choice of many. And at the moment, you don't have the choice, right? You just mm -hmm. keep creating distance, things like that. And then later on, there's other things like, you know, you shouldn't allow people to, to break your structure, right? And so for a while, you work on being free and disassociating bits of the body. But then Blab was like, I shouldn't be able to twist your wrist, right? <laughs> you shouldn't have to buckle yourself and relax and and roll out of it in order to escape me grabbing your wrist. You should have enough structure in your fingers that you can just make them like unbendable and, and keep your structure upright and relax and not allow that tension to translate from the wrist through to the spine. So I shouldn't be able to affect you. you you're letting me affect you, right? And stuff like that. So it's, it gets more sophisticated as you go along, but still every single one is a tiny kick in the ego pants, right? <laughs> of something that you felt like you're okay with. Um, and then you're forced to kind of um, confront the, the truth that you're really not, right? And, and with Vladimir, and, and it's interesting you put it that way if you rely on an instructor's feedback, I, I have almost immediate respect for an instructor, especially of Vladimir's caliber, of course, right? And, but also for anybody who's tra trained for any length of time under Vladimir, you know, the twins last week were telling me all over again that I need to work on more relaxation. Um, other people, when they go, Igor Ponizov, um, Emmanuel Manolakakis, whenever I do privates with them or work with them up at... Um, in Toronto, they have specific feedback, and I'm like, of course, whatever you say, I should take heed of it because I respect that. It's harder for me to uh, accept feedback from people who I feel like are, are about the same level or have been training about the same time, and very difficult for me to receive feedback from people who haven't been training very long but still might be right. Right? They still might have seen something that I'm doing that's wrong. And as Michael sort of says, like everybody, um, it's Mikhail Ryabko, you know, he says everybody should be your instructor or everybody is your instructor. Everybody has something to teach you. Um, and the second part to that is, and the people who beat you up are the best instructors of all, but we can come on to why that's the case later yeah. on. But that whole idea of accepting feedback from people who you don't feel are as qualified in some way, right? Mm -hmm. And it makes you kind of start to question, well, what's your grounds for that, right? It's just like, uh, where do people establish authority and at what point do I start to accept it, right? And the longer I've trained, the more I've realized that everybody probably has something to say and I should work harder at accepting feedback from everybody and taking it on board. Right. Well, I mean, the, the image that comes to me for the, the Vladimir feedback mm. is sort of digging a hole mm. with a shovel. And then there's a pile next to the hole that's the same size as the hole. So like the, the deeper you go in mm. to the criticism, yeah. to, to the feedback to say, well, this is this is what you're missing. Yeah. This is something you're not doing well. Mm. To that same extent, that's the that's your potential. Hmm. Right. So you see someone like Vladimir who can do superhuman things. Yeah. And you see it's because he can do a push up. Sure. Yeah. And because he can relax and dissociate and and and, and do and do these very, very basic things. Yeah. So that so there's like the cost benefit analysis. There's a cost to your ego of being told mm -hmm. you're tight here. You're mm -hmm. not paying attention to this. You're limited in your choices. Yeah. And then there's the benefit of listening to it, taking it on hmm. and being able to achieve something much greater than you could have otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's like success is built on the fundament of wrongness, right? It's <laughs> like, it's like you don't um, actually achieve anything through being right and showing off and showing people what you can do all the time. It's only actually when you're wrong and somebody points it out or you realize it, that you have the potential for growth. So I think we were just talking just before we went on about the, uh, the uh, Karen Schultz, is it the right being wrong? I think his name is Karen Schultz or maybe I'm getting the name wrong. Oh. Sounds, sounds good. The book was being wrong anyway. We'll put it in the in the show notes. But um, yeah, that was an entire book just about the concept of being wrong, right? And you would think, well, how can you write two hundred pages about being wrong? But it's such a fundamentally difficult thing for people. We're just disinclined to seek the feedback that tells us that we're wrong in the first place. And then even when we are wrong, 
we'll find little ways to justify it and work around it and blame the other person. So even a direct physical feedback, as you talked about earlier on, like a sporting type thing when you're like, okay, wrestle around on the ground and then the guy can take you down. Even when you fail at that, there's a little voice saying, he cheated, right? (laughs) Or or I'm not wrong, I was fine. He's just doing something that we, you know, there's still that little kind of whisper in in your ears saying that it might not be you, it might be everybody else, right? And that kind of thing. And and that's the thing that's really so insidious and, and terrible and stops us from growing in a big way. And it's very, very tough because I think there's a lot of books that kind of, well, there's a lot of things that tell us that we should just kind of bolster ourselves and believe in ourselves and believe in what we do and all that kind of stuff. And, and that kind of fluffs us up and expands the ego. And I think a direct consequence of that is that we don't want to believe that we're wrong and we, it makes us less open to feedback. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's a whole run, you know, run of self-help books which say you should read, receive feedback and do it well and things like that. But we don't pay attention to those nearly as much, I think, especially in this culture. Right. Well, you know, a weak ego needs to be bolstered. Yeah. Right. A strong ego can take those bits of feedback yeah. and, and say, you know, I'm it's like that whole growth mindset thing from, from Carol Dweck. That sure. I, I believe that I can grow and change and that feedback is the principal mechanism, right? The breakfast of champions mm. for me to, to improve. Yeah. Um, my friend Sean D'Souza talks about, you know, the, the whole 10,000 hour thing to mastery. Yeah. Says the, the shortcut to that is making mistakes. Like when you, if you're just practicing a thing and you're doing it right, it yeah. takes a long time. But when you sure. make a mistake yeah. and someone points out your mistake, then you've got something to work with and you can really accelerate your progress. Yeah. And by that same, by that same idea, probably the stricter the person or the stricter the, and more immediate the feedback, right? The, the more quickly your mistake will be point at, pointed out and the more motivation you're going to have for fixing it. So if you go to the extreme you have the way that the Spetsnaz guys train to stammer. You know, I think somebody, I was talking to, I think it was Quan Lee I was asking about, and he said he was having a conversation with Vladimir and kind of saying, you know, we in Sistema as a civilian martial art, we'll study it for years and we'll try and get good at it. But clearly the Spetsnaz guys have to be functional in, you know, much less time. It's like how long do they train and how long before they get kind of functional? And Vladimir's answer was three weeks if they survive. Right. <laughs> so the training is so harsh and it's so kind of brutal that it first it just weeds out a bunch of people. They just can't do it. Right. And they just kind of quit or know, get injured. Things happen and they can't continue. Um, but the kind of training they have, like tying ropes to your wrists and ankles and having four instructors pull on your limbs backwards while you're trying to fight another guy, like just yanking them out of position or having, you know, being told to wrestle one guy and then having another instructor behind you with a sharp blade. Like, so you can't back up every time you back up, you get stabbed a little bit, things like that. Like, can you imagine how quick the feedback is and how quickly you would learn not to retreat? Right? If somebody yeah. was stabbing you every time you retreated or, or how quickly you would learn to hide the movements of your shoulders and your hips so that you could strike forwards with your hands and your feet. If somebody behind you, if every time they saw your shoulder raise or your arm chambering to hit somebody, it got yanked out behind you and it was quite a painful, probably stretching action that probably half wrench, wrenches your shoulder out of the joint, right? So that kind of feedback is absolutely immediate. It's based on kind of, it's almost like a stimulus pain thing. It's like, learn, 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 and you can't help it because you're trying to avoid the pain and the discomfort. And so you learn a very quick feedback loop. But And the other extreme is people just gently suggesting things like, hey, you could try this, you could try that. And... and Worst of all, at some distance from the thing that you did. So letting you train for an hour, for example, and at the end of that hour saying, you really could have worked more on this, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, if it doesn't happen in the moment, right? It's like training a dog or something and the dog poos on the carpet. 
and it's five hours later the dog's happy to see you and you come back outside and you're like bad dog and you're smacking the dog around the dog's like what I didn't do anything like, yeah. and you're like you put it in the car and dog, so the dog's like oh that was hours ago it can't be that you know it's, like, it's kind of the same kind of thing right so I'm not saying we're quite the simplest dogs but we're not far from it in terms of our trainable ego yeah. so I mean you could you know I, I don't know how much it would cost to get you know weekly privates with Vladimir uh, for you know to get that kind of feedback but even mm. even in a class yeah you know with a with a great instructor you know like you you're not there watching me all the time you've got all the other students you're also teaching things sure i think it's it's really important and i'm, I'm curious what you how you think we can develop this to become sources of feedback for ourselves just mm. in terms of sensitivity of proprioception mm. like there have been so many times where i'm working and then you'll say your shoulders are up around your ears yeah and it feels like at some point i should be able to figure that out for myself and notice it. And there's, sure. cer- there's certain things that I do feel like, oh, yeah, my legs are tense. I can relax them. Yeah. But, you know, the ability to to learn how to learn, to, yeah. to, to take to become my own source of feedback in some things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the simple answer to that one is we can't carry a mirror around with us at all times, right? So we can't train and look at ourselves in the mirror while we do that. It probably wouldn't be very good for the ego anyway. I'd fluff it up even worse. <laughs> Flexing in between takedowns and things. But um, so we can't visually see ourselves from the inside out right but in some senses that's what those proprioceptive organs and kind of pain receptors and touch receptors inside the body do right they they sense pressures shifting pressures and extension and flexion in the muscles right you have little organs inside every tendon um and around every blood vessel as well little sensory organs that help you to build a map of where your body is in space right um, that can be more or less sensitive and more or less functional depending on how often you employ it, right? It's, it's very much a use it or lose it thing. So feeling the inside of your body is a skill that you have to practice. You have to mm-hmm. practice mapping your internal environment. And unfortunately, it does come back to things like do a push-up, right? And do a very slow push-up. And then as you um, start to lower yourself down halfway through, see if you can feel where the tension is arising in your body. And what you'll see is in the beginning, people... You know, beginners coming in, they've never practiced anything like this. They've never done anything like it. They might have done a ton of push-ups. They might have done CrossFit and learned how to do, or gymnastics and learned how to do perfect push-up form with planking and tension exactly where you need it in order to do lots of push-ups, right? That doesn't mean they can feel their body or they understand what's going on in their body when they're doing a push-up, right? So when you do it extraordinarily slowly, you're forced to kind of see what's going on. What, where, what are the, where are the places where you're inadvertently shortcutting and engaging muscles that you don't need to in, in order to get the job done? rather than just kind of moving through the middle of the, the movement and just kind of uh, relaxing yourself and spreading the tension out. So that's one way, is just doing things very slowly so that you'll notice how far, where you're being wrong, like literally where things are firing up. The second way is to employ the breath very, very judici- judiciously. Right? And especially every time you inhale, you pressurize your body a little bit, right? You mm-hmm. suck air and volume into your lungs and that displaces the fluid everywhere else in your body you're a closed system you're a big meat sack so every time you breathe in you add volume and there's nowhere else for the volume to go unless you simultaneously fart burp right or something like that at the same time right so it pressurizes the liquid right and which is incompressible and so it pushes it against your skin it pushes it against your muscles and that's what you can feel right so every time you breathe in you should feel a pressurization at the very least in the chest and in the stomach, right? If you're more relaxed, you'll feel it in the hips, backs of the knees, out into the elbows. You know, you'll feel it right to your extremities. And those exercises that we do at the beginning where you're just breathing in, breathing out with no tension at all are supposed to be geared towards doing that. Uh, Vladimir has an excellent description of it in the Strikes book, I think, at the end. And it's called light breathing, right? How you kind of gradually breathe light and then gradually pressurize your body and you can feel more and more. And then you experiment with adding tension just in a static position. And then you see if you can feel the difference between tension and non-tension 
and using the breath as a diagnostic tool so that you can feel where it is and where it isn't. And then you try and put it in motion. So then you try and do a push-up or you try and do a squat. And you use that inhale like a little MRI scanner, like a pressure scanner inside your body so that you can feel things moving out of position or bracing up wrong. And then you try more three-dimensional things like transitioning from a squat to laying on the ground. Right? Somewhere in that transition, you might uh, brace up in some weird way or pull yourself out of position or your arms might come up even though you don't need them. Or even something as simple as standing up or getting out of a chair, right? There's lots of ways of getting out of a chair, and most people do it horribly. They, you know, kind of put their hands on their knees and kind of push themselves up with their arms and their thighs as hard as they can. You don't need to do that. You can get out of a chair by leaning forward, right? <laughs> Until the bounce is on your feet, and then it almost carries you out of the chair, like if you know how to do it properly. Um, so it's there's degrees of skill and awareness to everything that we do, and I think this is just one aspect of how you can kind of go deeper and deeper and deeper, and to the point where even Vladimir says. The thing that he's working on is too much tension. I still have too much tension in my movements, right? I look at it, I can't see it. I'm like, where? (laughs) Everything's spread and that kind of stuff. To him, he's just working at a much deeper, more sensitive level, right? To me, I'm somewhere on that continuum. And to somebody who's brand new, they they have no idea where they're tense or where they're out of position. So those exercises are so critical. They're just the boring but necessary, I think. Right. I think one one of the things that I like about Sistema is that it it asks us to re-examine the things that we already think we're good at. Yeah, because so much of life is on autopilot mm. for all of us. Like, like you know, I'll coach people on on healthy eating. Yeah, and one of the big thing, things that people struggle with, even after they've gotten all the bad food out of their diet, and they're eating, is they're they're overeating. Yeah, and they've never ever stopped to notice how full they are. Yeah, until like okay, now you know I've eaten until I hate myself, mm. <laughs> right? So they and so one exercise is to ask people to go through a meal and start at like, like if zero is I'm starving and yeah. 10 is I'm so disgustingly full, yeah. I never want to eat again. Mm. Where are you at the yeah. start of the meal? You might be at three mm. and notice when you get to four and five and six and seven. And just even doing that a couple of times yeah. then allows people to notice when they get to seven before they start going to eight or nine yeah. or 10. But it's really hard to do because it's something, you know, mm. our, our brains are designed to like lock it down and and mm. put it away and make it automatic mm. so that we don't have to, you know, burn glucose. But mm. Sistema is asking us to do things like walking, sitting, standing, laying on the floor yeah. and bring conscious attention to it all the time. Yeah. And that's, yeah, it's interesting you bring up that example of eating actually, because that's also one that's recommended in the, uh, in the Sistema methodology is, is fasting, right? Um, and it's not even necessarily, I think, for, oh, you should fast for health, like intermittent fasting and the way that people use it now. You can use it that way um, to kind of reset your insulin sensitivity and stuff like that. It, it's more in the sense that people use it in spiritual traditions, right? It comes from the old Orthodox tradition, but, you know, Hindus and lots of other people um, and Muslims during Ramadan. There's lots of different kind of um, denominations that use fasting as a way of kind of contemplation and awareness as well. It's, it's not necessarily a dedication. It's, it's like, well, this is the condition of being hungry. This is what it's like. I should remind myself what it's like, right, once in a while. Um, and that kind of idea of like just once a month, go 24 hours without eating anything and then feel what it's like to be genuinely hungry, not peckish, not not full yet, right? <laughs> but genuinely hungry, right? It's like, and, and when you do that, you've, it, everything, it's like all of the foods 
it's the equivalent of colors jumping into sharp relief. It's like you see new food colors, right? Everything tastes different when you have that first thing afterwards. You're like, this is the most delicious apple I've ever had in my life, right? Every time you do it. And then three, three days later, you can eat a bunch of processed food or something. And you're like, this Snickers bar is not enough. I, I need more sugar. Right? It. And it just becomes kind of, uh, you're eating yourself into a poor body awareness, right? Kind of that way when you eat junky food. You're a huge advocate of um, whole food, plant-based diets, right? And you get the same thing. You eat whole foods all the time and processed foods start to be unappealing. You know, if you, if you can stick at it, right? Then they start to be unappealing and plant-based food. I can't say that I've eaten plant-based for any extended length of time. Unfortunately, I grew up on a carnivorous British diet and it's been hard for me to make a steady transition. But my wife's very good at, ma um, at making sure that I eat much more um, plant-based meals than I would otherwise that way. And I, and I notice if I go on a meat fest, like too much, like if I'm entertaining or I have people or I go out to the pub and have like a, a burger or something like that, right? And then the next day I have something meaty and meaty and meaty and, and I've just gone a couple of days without a significant plant input. I just don't start to feel good at all. I just feel heavy. I feel sluggish. I feel lethargic after lunch. There's n there's nothing that's being long-term digested that's helping me out, right? And all that kind right. of stuff. So. But, then the, mm. but it's the fact that you've explored the plant-based you know, clean eating that allows sure. you to see that. Most people yeah. have no idea how, yeah. ba how bad they feel most of the time. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's a really key phrase. And that's, um, and that's been said quite a few times in different contexts by different instructors. I think um, Martin Wheeler, when he came through a couple of years ago, it's probably about three years ago now, he started a two-day seminar that he had with us just with a, a good hour and a half solid of massage, but with a stick, like just with a hard four-foot stick and just grinding it into the, you know, using it like a, a rolling pin, like you're kind of rolling out pizza dough or something, and really kind of mashing into the tissues. And it, it, there's no give in the stick at all. It's not like somebody standing on you or pushing with a hand. Right? It's, it's, it gets really kind of tight in there, even into the throat and into the muscles either side, you know, the SCM muscles that run from the bottom of the ear down to the chest. He's spending a good time like gripping those, pulling them apart, all that kind of stuff, and then pushing the stick into the abdomen to get into the tight fascia around the organs, all that kind of stuff. And it's, some of it is excruciating. You're like, ah, oh, but by the time you've gone through that whole thing really comprehensively, you stand up and you walk around and he's like, how do you feel? And everybody was like, oh, this is amazing. And he's like, this is what normal should feel like, right? <laughs> that was his follow-up because you should feel like this all the time. If you don't, like this is the baseline, right? If you don't, it means that you're not relaxed. You've built things up, all that kind of stuff. You know, we can't necessarily all afford to go for crazy massages every five minutes so that we feel like that all day long. But we should endeavor in between to notice the tension building up and stretch ourselves and use the breathing to check ourselves throughout the day so that we can stop the build-up in the same way that we should endeavor to be mindful of what we're actually putting in our face, right? If you don't, if you just put a bunch of stuff in your face and then say, oh, I feel terrible, I don't know why, it must have been a bad pint or that one thing that I hate. It's like, no, it was consistent crappy food all day long. You did it to yourself. But if you get more mindful, and fasting is one way to do that, or eating very, very clean for a week is another way to do that, and then keeping a food diary, right? Um, then you can notice how you feel different. Maybe you're not as sleepy during the day, but you're not you know, crashing and tired. You don't feel as bound up when you're going to the bathroom, stuff like that, right? And so you get this new awareness. And then once you have that awareness, it's hard to ignore it, right? It's hard to just go back to, nah, I'm just going to be oblivious again, right? It's, um, it can be done. I've tried hard, right? <laughs> but, but it's hard to ignore it, right? Once you've kind of seen the light a little bit. And it's the same thing with movement, right? If you start to make smooth movements that feel relaxed and feel comfortable, if you start to make bad ones again, Right, um, you know when you've made a bad one, and ah, and you want to correct yourself. Right, you realise that you're using just too much, um, and it's it's leaving you brittle and, and making you kind of not strong. Yeah, and I think that for me the the most valuable part of the of Sistema as regards to being wrong and feedback, yeah, comes from something that I don't actually embrace, which is the Russian Orthodox tradition of it. Mm. Um, but you know, it just as a as a spiritual flavor. 
yeah. to it. It's, you know, I know Vladimir and Michael both talk about like humans are weak mm. and flawed yeah. and they don't exclude themselves. You right. know, they're, yeah. they're yeah. arguably two of the, the most um, accomplished martial arts mm. practitioners and instructors in yeah. the world. Yeah. And yet they both see themselves as in need of improvement improvement yeah like not just a little improvement they're yeah. not like we're almost at the top of our game sure they're, they're like we are weak flawed like every, anyone else we're far from our potential yeah and you know when when that attitude when you train with with a system that is infused with that from the very top and it's, yeah. not, it's not posturing and it's not ego and it's yeah. not in quotes it's mm -hmm. genuine and it comes down through instructors like you and through practitioners and and students hmm. that really um I, I find it applies to the rest of my life it's easier for me to be wrong hmm. in a conflict with my wife it's easier for me to be wrong in a in a business situation it's easier to be wrong hmm. if i'm snapping at someone at the supermarket I, f I feel so much less like i need to defend myself yeah when i see the people that i so look up to as as paragons of of human achievement, mm. um, not having to defend themselves. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, there's a mindset shift involved there, right? There's a necessary mindset shift where you move from, um, kind of being resistant to being not, not just being okay with feedback, but actively seeking the state of understanding your flaws, right? You're actually looking for your weaknesses. You're not just tolerating them when people say it to you like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I should see to that. Right. It's you're actively saying, no, help me out here. I, I, I know I'm flawed. I really want to get better. There's, um, there was another book. Um, I can't remember the name of the authors again. I'll put it in the show notes that I read a while back and it's called thanks for the feedback. Right. Mm -hmm. And one of the most salient points in there that I saw was that in all the research that they did in behavioral psychology and other kind of fields that they'd pulled together, there's kind of two ways of looking at feedback. One is that there's a push, right? Um, like I want to give you feedback. And this is the way that most people look at it in the workplace, right? Bosses are trained. I went through a management development training when I was an operations manager at the Science Museum in London. And it was all about how to give effective feedback, right? Mm -hmm. How to not piss off your employees, how to not crush them when you're giving them feedback. Here's how you kind of do the criticism sandwich. Here's how you do this technique. Here's how you do that thing so that you don't hurt their feelings too much and you don't make them offended and they still have to hear what it is that you have to say. And then they take it on board as genuine feedback, right? And the other part of that is, so that's the push. That's you pushing the feedback and the way that you do that. Now, granted, you can be terrible at giving feedback. And I've had more than one boss in the past who was just terrible at it, who's just like, you're stupid, doing it wrong. You should be less stupid. You know, like, and I'm like, that's constructive. Thank you. You know, it's like, <laughs> what do I do with that? You know, it's like um, gene therapy for the brain, I guess, or something. I don't know. But um, it, there's non-constructive feedback and there's idiots at giving the push feedback, right? But what they actually found with the research is that the push is nowhere near as important as the pull that about 90% of the interpretation happens on the part of the person receiving the feedback, right? So you could give me the best feedback imaginable. Okay, so let's do a concrete example here, right? Criticize my, my general nutrition and dietary habits, right? You can do it. It's fine. Uh, All go. Don't hold back. I, know well, I don't exactly know what they are, but based, based on... Uh, <laughs> casual observations. Casual, parties obs in the casual observation, um, yeah. I, I would say, um, you know, Try having you know fewer animal products and cut mm. out the dairy. Okay. Yeah. Anything else? Um, That's pretty lenient. Wow. It's <laughs> well, well, I'm gonna start somewhere. You. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, go for it. Go for okay. it. Okay. Give me some well, feedback. Give me some feedback. Okay. Well, mm. start each day with a pound of uh, of cooked um, vegetables. Mm. 
for breakfast um, and make sure you get at least uh, a cup and a half of legumes a day. Yeah. Um, drink, drink water and re- really cut back on the booze. Why is that? I mean, the booze makes me feel happy. I have a lot of fun drinking with my friends. Why, why should I do that? Yeah, well, uh, am I seriously going to give you this feedback? Is yeah, it, yeah. This is, this is like the opposite of coaching. <laughs> yeah. This is really hard for me. Yeah, it's tough. But actually, what was interesting in that is that you immediately started trying to coach, right? And so like giving somebody, for example, um, like direct feedback would, be, would have been like, you drink too much, you eat too much meat. You need to stop doing so much of that stuff. It's stupid. You're hurting your liver. You're hurting your intestines. You're creating inflammation. You're, you know, yeah. you're, you're, you've got problems. Right? So that's one way you could have gone. You could have gone with just a status assessment, like you eat poorly, right? Mm-hmm. Or you drink too much. And that's just basically a status assessment. That would tell me where I'm at right now, right? But you immediately went to coaching, right? You didn't even tell me I was eating poorly or that I was eating too much meat or drinking too much. Um, you immediately went to, you could try eating a pound of vegetables in the morning. and it, So you immediately went to helpful suggestions. Do you see what I mean? Uh-huh. Kind of that way. Um, and often the problem is that the person on the pulling end, sometimes they want a status assessment and you give them coaching, mm-hmm. right? And it's, often this happens in arguments with your spouse or, or with friends they're just, they're just like i feel like i'm not getting anything done today and it's just been so difficult and you're like you could try and do this and that they don't want that at all right they, often they just want like you try really hard and you work so hard and i appreciate you for what you do and you know um yeah. it must be tough being where you're at right they just want the status assessment and they want recognition or praise right so there's that status mm-hmm. assessment then there's praise and then there's actual coaching and sometimes people just want the status assessment and reinforcement and validation. And then we start giving them coaching and it really annoys them because it's not the kind of feedback they wanted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I asked you to to give me feedback on how I eat and you started coaching me. And actually at the beginning, I was like, oh, yeah. I started listening. I really could eat a pound of vegetables or at least try in the morning. I started listening. And it was only when you said you should cut down on the drinking. That sounded like an, an assessment. Like this is, uh-huh. you're the sort of person that enjoys his beer too much right so immediately that was the one where i role playing a little bit but then came back and sort of said why why should i right because that sounded like a status assessment instead of coaching now it's not the case that you always have to coach and it's not the case that you always have to do the status the the criticism sandwich thing and be like you generally okay i've seen you eat vegetables before you could cut down on the drinking i like the fact that you try not to do that kind of stuff you know um that sometimes that's a bit trite and people don't fall for it i think you know a lot of the time but the point is that it shouldn't the the onus is partly on you to try and figure out what kind of feedback i need but it's mostly on me not to interpret it the wrong way right even if you're like you drink too much and you eat too much meat i should not be like oh i'm offended by that i'm offended at the implication that i drink too much or that i eat too much meat i should take that as okay that sounded like a status assessment that's not what i wanted but given who, how he is and the amount of expertise that he has, and he's a PhD and he's written entire books about nutrition and mixes it up with Joseph Campbell and people who have done so much research over decades on this, I should probably listen to him anyway. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I should change the way that I pull. I should change the way that I receive the feedback consciously. That's yeah. hard to do, but I think Systema helps us do that a little bit. Yeah, well, it's, it's you know, what Systema has taught me is that what looks like, what looked to me like fighting mm. and aggression was just information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So if, if so, and, and there have you know, been plenty of times where I've been sort of sparring with someone and they're just annoying me. Mm-hmm. And then I'll think about things they said two weeks ago and I get even more annoyed. And I, yeah. and I form a picture as we're wrestling or punching each other that this, mm-hmm. this is an a-hole. Yeah. 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 Right. And I can feel myself um, you know, putting an entire interpretation, like a movie plot 
sure. on the, the work we're doing. You got a backstory before you even start wrestling. Is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, the, but the, you know, and so that's not going to help me. Right. Yeah. Improve. It's not going to help me in the situ- in the in the sparring situation. Yeah. Whereas saying, okay, well, this you know this strike annoyed me. Mm. Um, what you know it, that's information. Yeah. So how do I use that information? How do I pay attention to my own body's response to that strike? Yeah. What can I What can I do about my my mental? You know, I can't I can't suddenly say. You know, kill the backstory, but I can say, mm. "Oh, look, I've I've created a backstory. When yeah. when else do I do this in life? Mm. What you know? How is that getting in the way? Mm. So if we whatever it is, if we just you know, if we use this mantra, it's just information. Yeah, and I, and I've and I've done this a lot with sort of you know criticism that hurts. Yeah, say, so, well, if someone's really criticizing me. It's just information. If, yeah, if they're right, mm. it's a gift. If yeah. they're wrong, I can ignore it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I used to think this was maybe, I used to think of this as something that was kind of like a property that should come a little bit later on, right? And that with new people, for example, they come in and they train and you just, you don't want to criticize them too much. You don't want to say anything that's going to put them off or hurt them and all that kind of stuff because you're trying to just make them feel better for a while. You're trying to give them praise and say, good job. You're doing a good one. Yeah, nice. Oh, nice. And just kind of buffer them up a little bit so that they feel competent. Um, and then later on, once they've kind of mastered some degree of movement or some degree of interactivity, then you can start to talk to them about, do you notice that you're, you know, you're very tense? It's not because your muscles want to be tense. It's because probably you've created a backstory. You kind of hate the guy that you're wrestling with. There's no reason to because you've just lent each other your bodies for half an hour to, to figure things out. But somehow you've created this backstory where he's being a dick and, and you're not succeeding because he's being a dick, right? That kind of thing. Um, but now I actually think it's kind of critical from the beginning. So I understand the emphasis coming down from the top, from Vladimir and from Michael and from others. Um, Emmanuel talked a lot about it as well in his um, recent Q&A that we did. Um, that it's actually critical to look at the emotions from the very beginning because the problem is that if you don't, I, as an instructor, can be walking in circles around you. I can initiate a drill and say, okay, wrestle, but try not to be tense, right? And try and stay fluid, try and stay in motion, try not to lock yourself as you try and control the other person, right? Just try and control them. And people will start wrestling and they immediately get tense and get into these little stories, right? <laughs> and start working. And I can be walking around saying, you know, um, don't be tense, relax your shoulders, try and stay moving, stay fluid, don't be static, right? And it doesn't matter. I could be shouting it in their ears with a bullhorn and it doesn't matter if they're in that story and they're psychologically engaged with the person they're with, that overrides everything, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it controls their muscle tension. It controls their structure. It controls the way they want to keep distance or pull away from people or manage things or, or buffer up against them, all that kind of stuff, right? So you have to start with that. You have to start with, well, what's my motivation here? Like a method actor or something. It's like, what's my motivation for this drill, right? Am I here to beat this guy? Am I here to teach him a lesson? Am I here to make an assessment of him as a person? Or am I here to explore myself? And the answer is almost always, I'm here to explore myself, right? And if you can keep coming back to that, then everything feels like information. I'm not saying I do it all the time. <laughs> I'm saying that's the goal, right? It's, it's really, it's difficult, but I think Systema helps us to do that. And then the more you do that, the more you start to receive happy feedback from other people. Well, I think, I think it's the point, you know, when you just said, well, I don't do it all the time. I think that's kind of the point. Yeah. The, the, if, we don't, if we don't do it all the time, we don't have to do it all the time. Mm. We just have to try to do it all the time. Yeah. And so our failures then become more, more feedback. Yeah. So I just, I just did an interview with this guy, Greg Walton from Stanford, mm. who does something called wise interventions, which are just phenomenal. And basically, you know, one of them, um, for example, was about belonging. It was about yeah. African-American students at a high-profile Eastern university. Mm-hmm. Typically, 
their grade point average suffers compared to uh, white students, especially as the years go by. And the, the assumption was that it's because they feel like they don't really belong. Yeah. And so the, the, the wise intervention was this group of freshmen that got a one-hour talk about belonging, about how it's normal for everyone to feel when they come to a place like mm. this that they don't belong, and you can talk to people, and it generally gets better. Yeah. There was that one-hour one intervention, and they found that, that when they were seniors, mm. their grade point averages were on parity. Wow. That the one thing, because it changed how they, their, their frame of reference for an entire set of events, it became recursive. Yeah. So that if I think it's so important for you know for for me and for for anyone else when you say to us at the beginning, yeah. you're going to get pissed off. Yeah. You're going to feel angry. This is normal. Yeah. It's natural, and it's the it's the richness. There's the yeah. vein. Yeah. This Be is the thing. This, this is what you're working on. Yeah. This is so 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 that when it happens, hmm. if I get if I get hijacked. Yeah, I can then look back on it later and learn from it. Yeah, and then eventually, in the you know, in in the minute in the middle of the sparring, yeah, I'll be like, oh, this is what I'm doing. Mm, yeah, and until until I can get to the point where before it even starts, I can I can set my method yeah. intentions. Yeah, you know, like a pro. Mm. But I think the uh, just just teaching us to understand the the phenomenon mm. and to interpret it as something that we can use positively yeah it's really important yeah definitely yeah that's 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 great that's that's i'd like to read that study actually it sounds very really good that sounds very interesting um but and actually coming back to your the analogy of diet and food and changing diet and stuff like that also this whole idea of like that if you fall off the wagon here it's okay that's that's normal and that you can get back on very quickly too right the, the goal sh shouldn't be to eat perfectly all the time let's say you're switching to a plant-based diet or trying to avoid all sh you know processed sugars for a while um if you lapse right and you and you have like a binge day or something happens not to be like oh i'm the sort of person that lapses right and then right. let that be a downward spiral but but to say all right i'm human that's going to happen sometimes now let's restart now let's restart and you keep doing that and, and maybe you never achieve perfect veganism, right? All that kind of stuff. Maybe you always relapse a little bit and eat some like cookie or something that you just always love when you were a kid because you have an emotional connection to it. Um, but if you recognize that that's not the norm and that's not what you want to be doing, then you get that feedback more often and then you tend towards better behaviors. Same thing in training, right? If you don't, if you beat yourself up too much, right, on getting angry or becoming kind of uh, defensive or having those, getting into those narratives and thinking, oh, I should have done better and the guy's cheating and stuff like that. And you sit in the end of the circle at the end of class and you kind of slumped over and you feel sorry for yourself, right? This is the, it comes back to Vladimir again. He's always has something, one phrase that sums up an entire podcast, basically, right? It's just like, do not feel sorry for yourself. It's like, it's that simple. If you start to go inside and be like, oh, I should have done better and, and you're mumbling to yourself. Not to beat yourself up about that, to be like, yeah, I sucked at that today. I, I was hijacked. I got controlled. Let's not that let that happen in half an hour or when I change partners, right? I think that's a really good cue, I think, sometimes when you switch partners. Like sometimes you just get engaged with somebody and you have trouble. If you can, fixing it in the moment is way better, right? If you can, in the middle of an, an interaction where you just don't feel good and nothing's going right, if you can breathe, reset yourself, even say to your partner, can we hang on a sec? I'm just, um, I'm, I'm too head up, right? And then you just do you know, 10 slow push-ups or something and just breathe a little bit or hold your breath and then recover and then say, all right, let's, let's go again, right? And just kind of reset yourself a little bit and see if you can fix yourself. Even better, if you can fix yourself in the middle of wrestling when you're losing and under tension. I mean, that's the real skill is being able to reset yourself when the pressure's really on and you're feeling bad, right? If you can't do that, take a timeout. If you can't do that, just endure it to the end of that interaction. And then when you switch partners, 
resigned to go to the next person with a fresh outlook and be like, okay, I got hijacked by that guy. I'm not going to get hijacked again. That was my fault, right? It wasn't that guy even. It was, I, I was unable to fix myself. And now with somebody new, there's no reason I should carry this over and then start again there. And I find that useful tool sometimes if I'm, you know, mm. if I'm feeling sorry for myself, once we switch partners, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do better. And then I'm going to go back later and think about why it was with that, that person that I decided to create a narrative and get defensive. And sometimes, again, it comes back to that kind of, that ego and that relative assessment, right? It's like with somebody who you feel like is, you know, about the same level or not as good as you and they're still giving you trouble, you're like, I should have been able to deal with that guy, right? And you beat yourself up about it and the pride kind of gets in. If it's somebody who is clearly better than you, been training for like 10, 15 years longer and they're just owning you and making you feel, you know, like you're not doing so well, then you can be like, okay, well, they're a lot better than me and maybe I was getting frustrated that I just couldn't make anything work. They just have so much more skill. It's easier to rationalize. But really, there should be no difference between those two things, right? You should you should receive both of those as information, like you said, and you should be okay with it. And that, I think, is a really good skill to carry over into life, especially, you know, let's say you get hijacked during the day at work. You have a bad um, conversation with the boss, or if you're the boss, you have a bad conversation with an employee. It just doesn't go off well, right? Um, coming home and then starting that interaction all over again with your spouse or starting it all over again with your kids or something, is like, it's nothing that anybody wants to do, and yet it happens all the time, right? We carry over these feelings of being like oh well somebody this morning told me i'm wrong so i can't go home and then be told that i'm wrong by my wife or, or by my kid or something and and it all gets kind of conflated i think the ability to push the reset button and recognize that um that was a failing but you have the ability to come back from it is enormously positive for our daily interactions and relationships right well i'm looking at the uh, the, the the tagline for nc Systema, which is strength courage and humility sure. and i think you know courage and humility are the 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 alchemical mixture that leads to strength, right? Mm. So that if you're if you're beating yourself up and you're self-critical, that's not humble. Yeah, that's actually saying I should be better than I am. Sure. Yeah. Which yeah. is the opposite of humility. Yeah. You know, just to, to be able to say, to be curious, mm. and say, I wonder, I wonder where I can improve. I want let, let let this interaction, let this sparring, let this person, let this situation show me. Mm. my my weaknesses my flaws my areas for improvement yeah um but it also takes a lot of courage yeah so it would also it also takes a lot of courage in the middle of if you've been hijacked to say to someone hey hold on i'm hijacked sure. right now yeah i'm treating you like an enemy and it's my fault yes yeah, the admission of defeat right it's the admission of being wrong which is hard and we don't yeah. like it yeah yeah and yeah. and that's even that's actually you know to me that feels harder mm. scarier than getting beat up Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You're fighting yourself, right, when, you, when you're doing that. Definitely. All right. So I'm um, looking at the time. I think we're probably going to be wrapping up a little bit. So what I thought we'd do is end off. Um, you cued me into this in the last one. It's like three things people can do on this rather than talk for an hour and a half about how the climate's gone terrible and at the end of it say, you could change a few light bulbs as if yeah. that's going to change the difference. We're, um, we're going to do the same thing here with three things that you can do. And we've kind of, kind of touched on them a little bit. I, to my mind, there's kind of three ways that you can improve your ability to take feedback. You can do kind of pre-work, during work, and then post-work, right? Mm -hmm. Pre-work is when you're coming into an environment when you think you might get feedback. Every Systema class is like that, right? Um, maybe an interview with the boss or a performance assessment or something like that, or any interaction with a spouse. <laughs> so you might be get when you come back home at the end of the day, right? You might well get feedback on things. Um, prepare yourself first, right? See if you can kind of at least let go of any state that might have come up earlier in the day right so if, you, if you're going into training try and show up five ten minutes earlier 
Rely, lie on the ground, relax completely, stretch, breathe, try and get the physical manifestations of past annoyances out of your system first so that you're ready and open, right? And then say to yourself, I'm here to learn, like right away and just like a mantra, like I'm here to learn, this is all information. I'm here to learn, this is all information, right? And then during um, a session, it's hard to do it immediately when you're getting tactile feedback. But if somebody, if an instructor is giving you verbal feedback, like, you're doing okay, but you really, you know, your, your back is locked up and you've got too much of a tendency just to try and hold your ground for the sake of it, right? Um, you're, you're not truly relaxed here, right? And they're giving you that thing. To listen and just ask yourself kind of like what form of feedback it is that, uh, that you would like and what form it sounds like, right? If it sounds like a status assessment, like you're not good at Sistema, right? When they say that, right? Um, see if you can figure out whether or not you can receive that as coaching anyway, even if somebody says it in a way that sounds unduly harsh, like you just need to study how, how to walk, right? Mm -hmm. um, even if you feel like affronted at that and you feel like saying, well, that sounds like a status of seven, that to me sounds like you can't walk, right? <laughs> even if you feel that way, see, like how could I interpret that as coaching? How could I take that as I can probably walk? I know that I can walk. I've been doing it since I was two, um, but I don't walk well enough in this context. And they're, and they're trying to point out to me that I, I would benefit from studying that more, right? And then how can I ask another question even of the instructor that's going to help clarify that, right? If, if the information that the feedback they've given you isn't specific enough for you to act on, if they just said, you're not doing it right, you're too tense, right? That's, that's not really very helpful, right? And sometimes instructors do that because it's a, it's a blank assessment of what's going on. You're like, why can't I do this? You're like, your shoulders are too tense. You're like, but how do I not make my shoulders tense, right? That kind of thing. You can ask more specific questions. You're like, you can sort of say, okay, well, when I do this, I have trouble. Uh, I feel like I either have to tense my shoulders or my hips. Otherwise, one of them's going to cave in and I'll fall over. So how do I balance those two? And then often you'll get a more specific coaching type feedback thing. They'll, they'll very rarely be like, just do it over and over again. If they do, they're probably not a very good instructor, right? Um, so ask for specific coaching and you'll get specific coaching when it comes back, even if it seems like an assessment. And then finally, the post work is when, if you come away from a session, and you listen to everything everybody said in the circle and you listen to the overreaching things that people have said or you come out of a conversation in the office or wherever it is and you still have these kind of nagging things and you feel like a little bit um i don't know a little bit affronted still like you were unduly criticized then take a couple of minutes maybe even to write it down i'm not advocating big long journaling passages and things like that but just write down the words that were said and then again look at them and, and think how can i take that as coaching instead of as a, a criticism or a blank uh, assessment of the sort of person that I am or where I'm at, right? It's not a status assessment, it's coaching. Look at it that way. Sometimes people will try and give you a status assessment. They'll try and bully you, right? They'll try and just tell you that you're not good or that you're not doing this. Unfortunately, that's the way of the world. And I think this comes back to Michael's assertion that everybody is your teacher and the people who want to beat you up are the best teachers of all, right? Because they're not there to offer you coaching. They're not trying to offer you coaching. They're trying to exert their dominance. They're trying to exert their... Um, superior skill they're trying to make themselves feel better but even though they're exerting themselves over you and they're trying to essentially stake out ground and say look i'm better than you i can beat you at wrestling i can hit you harder all those kinds of things they're trying to give you a status assessment me better than you ug right <laughs> that way right even though they're trying to do that you can still if you want to receive that as coaching and be like wow i'm not as good at getting hit as i could be wow i'm too easily controlled emotionally when people give me aggression in wrestling right so even with those people um given kind of how hard they're trying not to give you feedback can be very, very good instructors. And I think if you get extraordinarily humble and extraordinarily good at receiving all this stuff, then they truly would be your best instructors. It's hard to see it on the face of it, but I think that's true. Yeah. I love it. 
Okay. Um, I, I think this is a very, very good podcast. <laughs> yes, it's, let's see if everybody agrees. Well, thanks very much for taking the time, Howie, and we'll see you again next time. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about training at NC Sistema, you can visit us online at www.ncsistema.com. If you'd like to find out more about Sistema classes and seminars worldwide, please visit www.russianmartialart.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, please take a few minutes now to give us a review on iTunes. This is probably the best way of helping us get the word out. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions for future guests and discussion topics, please contact us via www.ncsystema.com or email me directly at glenn at ncsystema.com. That's glenn with two n's at ncsystema.com. We welcome your feedback. Many thanks, good health, and see you in training.